If you were a tree, what tree would you be? Welcome to the Nature of Phenology, where we share the cycles and seasons of the outdoors. I'm your host, Hazel Stark. When I was a kid, I loved pretending to be a spy. I'm sure the movie Harriet the Spy was a major influence. I know I even had a thing for tomato sandwiches with mayo for a while after seeing that movie. My best friend Sarah, who was also an only child, had actual walkie-talkies that really upped our spying game when we could be spies together and spread out in our spying quests yet still be in communication. Sarah lived in the big city of Bangor, where spying on people and tapping into other kids' walkie-talkie conversations at the park was simple. Woman pushing a stroller by the swings. Over. Kid using a pine branch as a broom. Over. We kept each other very informed about the important things. When Sarah would come over to my house in the woods of Winterport, where no other people were visible but my parents, our spying exploits had to shift. Spying on my parents got boring. The windows were too high to peer in from the outside, and they were never up to anything interesting in our minds. So instead, there was a lot of squirrel-climbing treehouse, raven flying overhead, partridge drumming. But my experience as a child spy showed me that being a spy is not simply about observing, it's about piecing the clues you observe together to tell a more complete story. And one clue to look for that can tell a story about the past is a crack in a rock. Once you're clued into the signs in nature that can tell a story about its history, you feel not only like a spy, but also like a magical seer. Stone walls are an easy place to start, as they're pretty easy to notice and obvious that a human built them. These can tell you the story of a farm in that location long ago. Other evidence of human history are old stone foundations, wells, and even a lilac tree or lily of the valley in the middle of the woods. These clues indicate human tending before the forest took back over. Of course, there are other ecosystem engineers out there besides humans. A pond created by a dam full of sticks with tooth marks on them indicate beaver activity. A field full of only ferns and blueberries indicate a recent disturbance like a fire. But sometimes when you find a rock split in two or a rock with a big crack in it, you know that you are likely in an area that experiences repeated freeze-thaw cycles. In an effort to encourage my outdoor school students to become nature detectives, I often pique their interest by asking them what they think the strongest natural thing on Earth is. After they rule out their classroom teacher and gorillas, they start thinking more creatively. Maybe rock? But what has the power to break a rock in half? The response I'm looking for is water. When you put a glass jar or bottle full of liquid in the freezer, what happens to it? It breaks. That's because as liquid water freezes, it expands by as much as 9%. If there isn't enough airspace for that ice to expand into, it'll break through just about anything with a force of between 25,000 to 114,000 pounds per square inch. Frost wedging is the process where the freezing of liquid water causes a rock to split. Just think about how many rocks you've seen with little holes or hairline cracks in them. When it rains, of course the liquid water fills those voids due to this little thing called gravity. When temperatures plummet quickly and that liquid water begins to freeze and expand before having a chance to evaporate or flow to a space with more wiggle room, the ice can split that rock open. Repeated freeze-thaw cycles can yield bigger cracks and crevices and eventually pry a big rock right in half. 
So the next time you're outside, you can look for cracks and rocks and consider whether it might be a result of frost wedging. If not as a result of frost wedging, might frost wedging occur there in the future? The most frost wedging occurs in climates that experience intense and frequent freeze-thaw cycles, where rocks tend to be quite angular and of a wide variety of sizes as a result. See what clues and conclusions you can discover, detective. You can download this episode and find a link to the transcript, photos, information about podcasting, and more by visiting archives.weru.org. Thanks to listeners John and Morgan for inspiring this episode. Do you have a nature question that you want us to answer in our show? Let us know. Thanks for listening, and please join us next week for another dive into the nature of phenology. (laughs) 